Hi everyone, how's it going? Um, like Doug said, my name is Kevin Kent and I am the middle school director here at Lakeside. And uh, it's a privilege to be with you guys tonight. It's, it's good to see all of you. I don't get a lot of time in this room. Um, most of my Saturdays I spend over at the block with middle school students. Um, and my hands are a little full with that, so I don't quite make it over here. Um, they're a lot of fun. We have an amazing ministry, but they really, um, they, they really take a lot of energy and focus. So anybody have a middle schooler can agree with me? A few people, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and, I, and actually I see some of our leaders in the room today, so extra points for you guys, volunteer leaders who made it to this gathering. Um, I, I, I can check that off. I see your face. Good job. Um, but, uh, but on Sundays, actually my family and I, we found our home in the family room, which is the video venue gathering that we have at the block. That's all about families together worshiping God, and, and we love it. For our family, it, it is just an amazing thing. And um, uh, just a little bit more about myself. Um, I grew up not too far from here in the Placerville area, so I'm kind of a local person. I used to come to Folsom all the time um, if I wanted anything open past like 4 o'clock um, or, or be able to shop or anything like that. So this is where I had to come with my friends to do anything. So really familiar with Folsom and getting to see it grow is kind of fun. Um, but, uh, but raised up there in Placerville, um, I... Uh, I went to high school up there and um, met my wife up there. I'll get to that in a minute. A couple things that, that I like, just so you can get to know me just a little bit. Um, I really like college football. Um, don't watch pro at all, but college football is really exciting. I really enjoy that. I love motorcycles. Um, I don't usually tell the students about that one. Um, and uh, I love cooking, and so I'm taking applications for my oikos. Um, I, you can turn them in to me this weekend. I love cooking and blessing people with food. Um, and, uh, and I really do love my girls. I have two young daughters, and I love playing with them, and they are just, they're wonderful and, and a joy, and also a big challenge as well. Um, and, then, and then my wife, um, oh man, my wife is awesome. You know, Josh mentioned marrying up and out of your league. That is definitely something that I did. Um, I love dating my wife. And uh, lastly, I love Lakeside. I really do. I've gotten to be here for a year and a half, and I love Lakeside. I really feel like I belong here. And it's just an amazing place for my family to be, an amazing place for me to get to work and do ministry. Um, it's an incredible thing. So I did mention, I've been doing ministry for quite a while. I actually met my wife in Placerville at Green Valley Church. We were adult leaders in the middle school ministry 12 years ago. And we met as leaders together, and we've been doing ministry ever since as, as partners in ministry. This summer coming up, um, we, uh, we're going to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. So... Um, married really young. Yeah, thank you. Um, I can't believe it's been 10 years. It's, it's totally crazy. But, uh, but really, it's been awesome, too. Um, I, I grew up in church. I, I basically, I, I started in, in, since I was in diapers, my family, we went to church. And uh, I know a lot of people have the stories about, um, about how, they were, how their parents would drag them to church or they were forced to go. I actually don't remember that. I don't relate to that at all. I can't remember a time in my life that I didn't want to go to church. Um, we, we lived out in Somerset, just outside of Placerville, small town. Some of you may know where it is. Little, little church out there called Pioneer Bible, and it was a family. It was an awesome community, and it was a cool place to grow up as a kid. Um, I had amazing Sunday school teachers, and, uh, and I, I loved the Bible stories. I was totally into the Bible stories. Um, uh, just there's something about this amazing God and these stories that captivated me as a young kid. And, uh, and I would just get wrapped up in it. And I don't know if it was the, the felt board Jesus that really brought it to life for me. 
Um, anybody remember a felt board? A few people? Yeah, yeah. We, we had that in my children's ministry when I was growing up. But, uh, but there was just so many cool stories. And one that I liked more than other. Did, anybody here, one more time to raise your hands. Anybody have a favorite Bible story? Anybody? No, not really? Okay, there's a ton of them. And I, and I can agree, I don't know if this one's my favorite, but I want to share a story from the Bible with you guys tonight. Um, I love storytelling, and I, and I love those stories. Um, one of my favorites, I don't even know if I could say that it is my favorite one, but, uh, but one of my favorites was when Peter walked on water. As a kid, this was a really cool story. And, uh, and growing up in church, I heard this story a lot. And so I actually thought as a kid that if I had enough faith, because that's how the story goes, I could walk on water. And uh, there was lakes and ponds and rivers all over where I grew up, and friends had pools. So every time I went to water, I would actually try to walk on water. Um, I, I don't know that my family knew that I did this. I didn't really tell anyone, but I'd be like, maybe today's the day. Maybe I can get a few steps in, and, and I would try. Um, unfortunately, the only thing I was good at was sinking. Um, and uh, and I, I was ready to give up hope, but a few years ago, I saw this YouTube video and it got me thinking a little bit differently about it. And I, wanna, I want you guys to check it out. So let's check out this video. I've tried it. Nobody has ever managed to get anywhere close to what we got like today. You have to believe you can do these things. It's not like impossible. There's been a few people that have been like sort of following us. It's me, my boots and I, we're going to make it. I definitely think it's going to be the next big thing. Liquid mountaineering is actually a oops brainchild. It's a new sport. It was not existing before. You have to run very fast on the water. I mean, obviously, the first step is the most important one. When we, like, discovered, oh, my God, Jesus, we're going one step, we're going two steps, we're going three steps. We're discovering it as we go along. While we're still on land, we try to get up really speed. Soon we, we touch the water, we try to get like, like a sewing machine. It's not straight into the water, you know. In a curve, in a slight curve. And by that bend, you're actually not allowing yourself to sink into the water. And you want to keep that skimming sensation going as long as you can. Bonjour. What gets us those extra steps are these shoes. The, the original equipment where it first all started was the equipment that would help repel water. We found some shoes by mistake, actually. Totally water repellent. It's like water off a duck's back. It takes actually a lot of practice, a lot of focus. I think if you don't actually believe that you're going to walk on that water, it's not going to happen for you. I still have yet to walk on water. I, I don't know um, if the water's different in Portugal at all, um, but it hasn't quite worked out for me yet. Um, 
I know, I know a couple things. I've never tried the shoes. Maybe that would make my difference, uh, my experience a little bit different. Um, I know for sure I've never had really speed. I'm not sure what that is, but I've never had really speed. And, uh, and um, my wife mentioned earlier that um, she doesn't think I can get my feet moving like a sewing machine. So, um, so those things I have going against me. So I still don't know if it's going to happen or not. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that was a fun video there. I know that the students that I've showed it to before, like, they're just, is it real? Is it real? And uh, I'm like, everything you see on the internet is real. So, no, I, I don't tell them that. I, I, I don't tell them that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that's, that's a fun thing. Um, but really, like, even, even though I didn't have those things, Peter didn't either. Um, at least I don't think he did. Um, but, uh, but let's take a look at his story in the Bible. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be reading through mostly, there's, there's actually, um, the, the part where Jesus walks on water is in multiple places, but I'm going to spend most of my time in Matthew, starting in, um, in chapter 14, verse 22. Um, and, uh, if you guys want to turn with me and read, there's some Bibles on your seats. If you don't have one, you could take that with you. Um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but they gave me a microphone, so you can keep the Bibles if you want one. Um, but if you have one, you want to read with me, otherwise I'll read it to you. Um, and before we jump in in verse 22, I, I want to take a look at just a little bit before I'm going to read and mention what's going on here. A lot of times I like to do that when I'm jumping into a story. I, I, I want to see um, how, how we got here. Um, what's the setting so far? And another one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, is right before this in Matthew 14 where Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you were here a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Brad talked about this in his Like Jesus series. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on feeding the 5,000. But I think this is a really interesting miracle. I like it too because in my head I like to pretend that the little boy with the lunch was a middle schooler. So I'm like, look, look, God can do big things in in middle schooler's life. Um, Don't know if that's true. It doesn't really say that, but it helps me um, on tough days. So... um, so yeah, incredible miracle, everybody's amazed, Jesus feeds the stadium full of people with a little boy's lunch, totally incredible thing, and that's important to look at right when we're jumping into this, and especially at times in your life where you're thinking about what is God doing right now, it's really good to be able to look back and see what has he done already, and, and, uh, and, and use that to remember that God is who he says he is. So as we jump in, in verse 22, it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the, the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening time came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I'm going to stop there for a second and point something out. Um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but... Um, but Jesus makes the disciples wait a really long time before he joins them. Um, I think this is interesting. You know, how, how many of you have, um, have somebody that, that you know, that maybe you came here to church with today, that seems to take forever to get out of church? Anybody? You just wait, you're like the last car in the parking lot. All right, you don't want to raise your hand, you're elbowing them instead. Um, my family was like that. In fact, actually now we're kind of still like that. We're almost the last car to leave church. Well, if Jesus has to excuse a stadium full of people, it's going to take some time. He's Jesus. And, uh, and, if, and then after that, he doesn't just go, okay, I'm done excusing them. I better catch up to the disciples. He goes on the mountain time to pray. And then after a while, he goes back and joins them. Well, 
I know from my experience growing up as a kid, I had a big family. I have three sisters and one brother. And uh, like, so we grew up going to church. It was a small church, a really tight community. And my parents were those people, the last ones to leave the parking lot from church every single Sunday. And so we'd get out of church, and they'd have us go in the car and wait. Not sure that was the best parenting move. But now that I'm a parent, I understand it a little bit differently. It was like free babysitting. We were confined, and, and we didn't give us the keys. That would, that would have been really bad. But uh, we were stuck in like a little playpen. Um, but with my, with my siblings, we always ended up terrorizing each other, each other, destroying the car. And by the time my parents would show up, without fail, one of us, usually me, would be in big trouble from what happened while we were waiting for my parents in the car. Now, I can just imagine that as the disciples had to wait longer and longer and longer for Jesus, wondering, is he coming? What, <laughs> what is he doing? As that time goes by, they've got to have questions racing through their mind. That's when doubt starts to set in. They start to get restless. They start to forget about what just happened. They start to lose a little bit of passion. And I can imagine at that moment that, that they are losing some of, that, some of that excitement from what had just happened. So then we jump into verse 21. It said from that, oh, pages are turning on me. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When his disciples saw this, Walking, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Stop there for just one second. Point one more thing out to you guys. Um, I think this is interesting. Have you ever thought of it from Jesus' perspective as he's doing all of his things? I mean, he's got to know that the disciples got to be a ways out. But to walk down to the water and to look and go, oh, where's the, where'd the boat go? And then, oh, there it is. Oh. I guess I'll just walk. Um, like, I would love to be able to do that. I don't, I don't know. I think that's kind of a funny thing to think about. You know, another account, when you read through the, the version um, in Mark about this story, it actually says that Jesus, as he goes out to walk along the water, he plans to walk past them. He's passing them by, and then they notice him, and so he stops. And, you know, as Jesus just walking along, just, oh, you got me. All right, guys, I guess I'll come in the boat. Um, I, I just, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but he's just planning to just walk, his, walk the, all the way. But the disciples' reaction is what I think is interesting. They freak out. They think he's a ghost. In fact, in John, when it talks about this, it says they won't even let him in the boat until they're sure it's him. And I wonder sometimes how often do we freak out or let fear get the best of us? You know, Jesus says right away, take courage, don't be afraid, it is I. And he calms them down. But their first reaction is freaking out. What is going on? Which is probably why the next thing that they hear was such a surprise to them. If we look in verse 28, it says this. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. You know, I don't know how much time you spent looking at Peter. But uh, I, I can tell you that at that moment... The disciples all turned their head right to him and just started shaking it. Like, what What are you thinking? What are you thinking, Peter? He was the king of putting his foot in his mouth. Couple examples, in case you don't agree with me. He has this amazing moment later in the Gospels where he gets to go up with James and John to the top of the mountain with Jesus and see Jesus transfigured into his full glory. Not only that, but... Moses and Elijah show up to have this conversation. Um, As a Jewish boy, 
they, those were heroes to them. They probably had bed sheets of those guys. I mean, these, these, they were a big deal. So, so these guys all show up, and then to top that, they get to hear the audible voice of God. And um, you might be surprised, but that doesn't happen a lot in the Bible. So this amazing experience, and what is Peter's reaction? He interrupts the whole thing to ask if he can build them tents. Like, can I build you guys some tents? Um, I, I, I don't, he does that kind of thing. And I don't even have to mention the fact that he denied Jesus three times before he even realized what he was doing after Jesus predicted what he was going to say. There was multiple times, if you read back through the account, that Peter always said the, these things. And you're like, what are you thinking, Peter? Come on. But he was serious about this, and we know it because what happens next? It says this, it says, Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. This is an amazing moment. This is why as a kid, I tried every time I went to a body of water, because he actually walked on water with Jesus. That's incredible. That's amazing. And, And really, I think, you know, a lot of times, like, we don't give him a lot of credit because we know what happens next in the story. But really, I just want to stop for a second and say he has an amazing moment with Jesus that no one else can say that they've had. That has to be a highlight of his life. I can't believe that he would forget that moment. And I think this is really interesting. And the rest of the disciples are there watching it all happen. But like I said, if you know the story, if you've heard it before, you probably know what happens next. In verse 30, it says, but, the wind, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Most people would spend a lot of time talking about that. You know, that's not really what I'm going to focus on very much today. I want you guys to think a little bit about what the other disciples might have been thinking at this moment as they're watching that. Um, I can tell you they never let Peter live that one down. I mean, especially after Jesus names him um, Rock. I mean, I mean, can you see the joke happening? I, I can kind of see the joke happening in my mind. He's like, hey, they, I mean, they're going to remind him about it all the time. Like, hey, Peter, do you remember that one time that you tried to walk on water and you sank, wait for it, like a rock? Like, <laughs> I mean... They, I'm seriously, they would never let him live that one down. But I do want to look a little bit more at what happens next. On verse 32, it says this. It says, when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, or when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know, this is interesting. They climb back in the boat together and, and the, the wind and the waves just, it just stops. You know, if, um, if you read through the account of John, it's actually really interesting. I always share this one with the middle schoolers because it's really cool. Um, but when they step into the boat, it all of a sudden reaches the other side. It, like, teleports over. Really cool. I would love to be able to do that someday, too. Um, not just walking on water. But, uh, but it's the account in Mark that I think is really interesting. Um, because it says that when Jesus gets back in the boat, it says that the disciples were astounded and didn't understand, and their hearts were hardened, even after the miracle that was just performed. They don't even get it. 
And they ask themselves, who is this guy? You know, this is another thing that I've noticed as I've read through the gospel account and I look at the disciples. There's a lot of times in their life that they put limits on Jesus, on the things that they think he should be able to do, the things that they're okay with him doing. I mean, really, they go, okay, okay, Jesus, like, yeah, the, um, healing, healing the sick, casting out demons, yeah, that's your thing. Go ahead, that's your thing. You could do that. Um, even the whole feeding the 5,000, they're like, whoa, this is so amazing. We really didn't know what to do there, so you really came through for us on that one. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. But there's some of these other things, like calming the winds. I'm not so sure I'm okay with that. And I don't know if that's the best example, but there's a lot of times where they were asking Jesus to do things or where they were thinking other stuff, and, and they were just putting limits on what they felt like was okay for Jesus to do and how he was supposed to behave. And I think, unfortunately, they didn't experience the same thing that Peter did in that moment because of it. So what do I want to talk to you about today? Well, if I was honest with you, as much as I've tried and as much as I want to walk on water someday, if I was back there... I can tell you, I probably wouldn't be Peter. I would be one of the other 11 still in the boat while everything's happening. And I think that most of us, if we were honest and we look at different situations in our life, we would say we wouldn't get out of the boat either. You know, I don't know where you're at in this season in your life or, or, um, or what's going on with you. I know a lot of times it feels like we are standing in the middle of a raging sea trying to stand in the, in the middle of a storm. But really, there's not a lot of us that would voluntarily go there. So what is it that's keeping us in the boat? That we aren't experiencing these amazing things where God can, can bring us into these, this, these crazy moments with him, these incredible moments. What is it that's keeping us in the boat? I think it's the same things that we saw in the scripture that the disciples, the other 11 sitting in the boat faced. Fear, doubt, and the limits we put on God. How many times have we, le- have we let fear stop us and cripple us from doing something? You know, when I was a kid, I mentioned I grew up in Somerset. Um, we had this place called the Gorge that was down by, down by the Consumnes River, and we would go out. I had a friend that lived along the river, and uh, during the summers we would go, um, and, and this gorge was just tons of really high rocks all over the place. And, uh, and we would go up there, and we'd jump off rocks into the water. It, it was pretty cool. I haven't been, there back, I haven't been back there um, being an adult, and I know that like, when you go back to the places you went to as a kid, it changes your perspective just a little bit. Um, I'm sure my perspective would change, but back then... It was a really big deal. Like, we thought we were cliff, cliff jumpers. Like, it, these, these rocks, um, I, I mean, I, I remember just standing at the edge and just being filled with fear as I would, as I would take a step and leap off and, like, go down what seemed like forever so long I had to take a breath as I was yelling. Um, before I would hit the water, I'm not sure that actually happened. But, uh, but it seemed like forever, and we'd have all these different rocks, and uh, they'd have different names that you could jump off of, and if you're really good, you'd go to this one, and if you're super crazy and wanted to die, you'd go to this one, but everybody seemed to live anyway. Um, 
But this was a really cool place to go. Can you imagine, though, if I went every summer with my friends and all we did was come up to the edge of the cliff and stand there and go, yeah, that was awesome, great job, guys, and high five and go, and, and then come back the next day and we're like, today, this is, good. this is it right here. This is exciting. This is fun stuff. Yeah, we're cliff jumpers and, and not actually do anything. It's not fun unless you go over the edge. And I can tell you, all of us experience the same fear at the edge. The difference is one of us moves and one of us doesn't. Fear can cripple you. But if you have a big faith in God, that hopefully you can find something that can help you move. You know, I mentioned a lot of us might feel like we're in the middle of a raging storm right now and stand, trying to stand on the ocean. You know, the truth is this life isn't easy. There's a lot of things that will stretch us, that will hurt us, that will be difficult, and that will freak us out. But in those moments, our faith in God can help us make our move and get out of the boat. You know, I mentioned the other thing that the disciples deal with was doubt. And, and I don't know how many of us would admit that, that we deal with doubt. Um, I would, um, and I'm a professional Christian, so it's okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kidding. It's, I'm a pastor. Um, but, uh, but really, um, everybody deals with doubt. Everybody does. Doubt is not necessarily the bad thing. The bad thing is not doing anything about it or letting it dictate what we actually do. I tell our students all the time, it's great that you have questions. It's when you stop asking them. It's when you stop looking for answers. It, God's not afraid of our questions. God's not afraid of our doubt. I think he's just waiting sometimes to show us how awesome he is, to help us find those answers. But we get this idea in our head like God is too big for this. The disciples did it all the time. Oh, oh wow, God, um, you're too big for this. What are we going to do? I, I don't know what to do when it comes to buying food. Um, and just in their minds, they, they, put these, they, they have this doubt that God can't do it. And we get there too. There's a couple things back in the story that I want to point out that I think are really good in situations where we're facing doubt. One of them, uh, and both of them, there's two things that come from Peter. One of them, not so good. One of them um, was a really good example, and I'm going to focus on that one first. If you look back, I mentioned that, um, if you look back into the story at, when, when Jesus, when they find out it's Jesus, and Peter says this thing, I joked about it a little bit before, about, about hey, if it's you, God, tell me to come to you on the water. But that's actually a really good thing that, that uh, Peter does. When you think about it, he's asking his permission and there's a lot of times when we are stuck in those times of doubt that just going to God in prayer and asking his permission and asking him to help us, asking him to show us he's there, it helps us get the right perspective on things. That's a good thing. Like I mentioned, the other thing that Peter does is probably what you don't want to do. Um, and it's that moment where he's on the water and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts looking at the waves and he sinks. 
You know, it's interesting. Jesus talks about this faith that we're supposed to have. Um, and, and even something as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. And a lot of times we don't feel like we have even that much. But it's not necessarily about how much faith we have, but about who our faith is in. If you look back in the passage, at the very beginning, the title of it says Jesus walks on water, not Peter walks on water. This story is really all about him. All the focus, all the glory, everything is supposed to be on God. And the best way to get rid of our doubt is to keep our eyes locked on Jesus. Is to keep our focus on him. And I did mention another thing at the beginning. Remembering what God has done in our lives and the lives of others is really great in those moments where we start to doubt because God is the same today and the same tomorrow and the same he was forever. And the last thing I want to talk about is the limits we put on God. And I'm not talking about limits as far as not we don't think God can do certain things. I'm talking about the limits we put on God, meaning um, the things that we don't let him do. Um, I, have a, I have a blogger that I like that kind of puts it this way. Um, he talks about like if, if, if our life is this whole ocean, we have this whole ocean of our life, God wants to walk all over it in, in a good way. Um, but uh, but he, wants, he wants to be in all of our life and, and us to trust him with all of it. But if we really thought about that, having God be in all of our life, we have to admit sometimes that that scares us a little bit. The truth of it is that sometimes God asks us to, to make some changes that we aren't sure we really want for all of our life. And so we say, God, you know what? That's, I know you want all of this, but let's talk about life for just a little bit. My friendships, yeah. Yeah, those, those are important. Um, those are really an important thing. But I don't know if I really want to be known by my friends like that weird Jesus guy. You know, I'm okay with raising my hand in church, but I can't be expected to yell, praise baby Jesus every time something good happens. So... I know nobody wants to be friends with the weird Jesus guy, so I'm going to take my friendships off the table. And then we say, yeah, my finances, God. That one's important. That one's good. But I know that if I really was to give my finances to you, God, that, uh, that you would just make me give away everything. And I worked really hard for it. That money has, it has somewhere it has to go. It has plans. And uh, I'm not sure I'm okay with really giving all of my money away, and I know that's what you make people do. What are you really going to spend it on anyway? Do you even have a bank in heaven? And you can make anything you want, so I'm not quite sure you want it. So I'm going to take that one off the table. And we look at our relationships, and we say, oh yeah, relationships are important, God. But I've heard what you say about submission and sacrificial love, and I feel like I'm going to be walked all over if I really do it that way, just, just to be honest. And I'm not so sure how my happiness fits in all of that, I don't know about my relationships. And, and maybe you aren't in a marriage. Maybe you're single. Your dating relationships would be a good thing to give God, right? But God knows dating's really hard these days. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing. And so, so really we just tell God, okay, God, um, yeah, dating, that would, be, that would be good. But right now, I just want to focus on hot people. Um. And, and you could call it my mission field if you want to. Um, you, could, you could call me to witness 
to hot people, and uh, I will convert them with my dating prowess. I will do that for you, God. And I'm going to do some things I might have to repent for in a few years. Um, but, uh, but I don't know about my relationships, and so we take that off the table. And we get down to it, and we say, okay, my hopes and dreams. Yeah, God, that's important. My future, my family, those are good. But if I've been to church even one time, anybody who's been to church one time knows, as soon as you give God your hopes and dreams, he makes you sell everything you have and move to Africa to become a missionary. You'll go, to, you'll go from, from uh, zero to hut in like four seconds, and I don't do huts, God, you know that, so I'm sorry, but i got to take that off the table. And by the time we get down to it, we've got this little life raft size of an hour on a weekend that we say, here, God, this is what I'm okay with you doing something in. This is it, God. This is your zone. Get in there. Make something happen. Do something crazy with that. Come on, God. Here we go. And unfortunately, we wonder why, we, why our lives feel small and uneventful. That's not the story we're supposed to be telling. God wants to be in all of our lives. He wants to be trusted with all of our lives. Maybe we need to let go, get out of the boat, and just see what he's going to do next. Can you imagine what it would look like if we really were people who got out of the boat, that walked out of a boat, in a storm, to walk towards Jesus. If we were known to, for being that kind of people, imagine how that would change things. Imagine how that would change our oikos if we were that kind of people. We can't give in to fear. We can't focus all on our inabilities. We can't keep just thinking about all these doubts that we have. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to stop putting limits on him. Get out of the boat and just see what he's going to do next. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your great stories in the Bible and just the incredible experiences that your disciples had with you, God, and the the amazing things we can learn from them. God, I hope that today, um, as we listen to this, that there's something that we can take away. There's something that we can start doing differently. Because walking out of here and doing everything the same, God, we're just going to stay right where we're at. If it's something we need to let go, if it's a doubt we need answers to, if it's fear that seems to hold us back, God, I pray that you can help to give us the faith that we need to get through. we thank you so much for your son and for sending him to this world and we pray that we can continue to be transformed in our lives be people that get out of the boat pray this in Jesus name Amen